Hello, this is Mike Van Meter, and welcome to the Recovery is Possible podcast. I want to thank you for joining me, and you can reach us at our Facebook site, which is also called Recovery is Possible, or our website, which is vanmeterwellnesssolutions.com. And this podcast exists to educate the public about addiction, remove the stigma associated with addiction, and offer help and support to those suffering from addiction. And uh, as you know, this episode is sponsored by FHE Health, a substance abuse and mental health treatment center specializing in treatment for first responders' needs, including PTSD, anxiety, and substance use. So take the first steps to a better life today by visiting FHEHealth.com. That's FHEHealth.com. So folks, uh, I am so excited about today's episode because, as I mentioned, our sponsor is FHE Health, and we have Dr. Sachi from FHE Health. Uh, she was kind enough to join us on the podcast today, and I met uh, Dr. Sachi, I want to say about two months ago. I think it was about two months ago. I went down to Florida and had a tour of the facility, fantastic facility. And specifically got to spend some time with the folks that are in the Shatterproof program, which is the program that we're talking about for first responders. And Dr. Sachi um, heads that up, and she's going to talk to us all about that today. So welcome to the program today, Dr. Sachi. Thank you so much, Mike, for having me. I'm always, uh, well, first, I'm just always impressed by people like yourself who are doing something that's so important for first responders, which is breaking that stigma of uh, addiction and PTSD, which has been so such a taboo topic to talk about and yet so pervasive in the first responder community. So I appreciate your doing this type of work, but thanks for having me. Well, I no, thank you for coming on the program, and I, I appreciate everything that you're doing. That is a great program. I really enjoyed my stay down there and enjoyed your presentation. And for, for the listeners, if you could for us, uh, tell us a bit about uh, first yourself and then talk about the program, because there are not many programs like Shatterproof around the country. And for those of you that are listening to this podcast that are first responders and you need to go to treatment or you know someone that needs to go to treatment, uh, I want you to reach out to Dr. Sachi or reach out to anybody there at FHE Health and find out what kind of uh, services they provide because they, they are vital. And there again, there's not a lot of opportunity that are specific to first responders around the country. So uh, tell us a little bit about yourself first so we can get to know you. Oh, sure. So um, I feel really blessed that I have somehow been able to do this type of work as a therapist and program director for first responders, um, the Shatterproof program. Um, I actually, to start from the very beginning, I was born in Vietnam during the Vietnam War. Um, I'm Vietnamese American and uh my family are refugees from Vietnam um, at the end of the war, and we uh, were, through the help of the U.S. military, we were uh, able to come and live and take refuge in the United States. And my father, uh, during the Vietnam War, was in the U.S. Navy, uh, I'm sorry, in the Vietnamese Navy, and so he worked closely with the American military. So I feel really... Um, passionate about being able to give back to military and first responders and also my brother um, in America became a U.S. Marine and I just always feel like I, I always want to give back whatever way I can and I found myself um, able to do that in this position that I am um, but also just personally growing up in a family that had been traumatized through war and the uh, 
the process coming to America uh, and all that uh, traumatic experiences that. Uh, and so for me to help people in general um, with PTSD issues, either growing up with it or experiencing it for themselves, um, I have a personal uh, connection to and, and just really happy to um, be a mental health counselor for first responders who are in need of help with addiction, uh, PTSD, depression, uh, mood disorders, um, anxiety, things like that, uh, where first responders have become, uh, uh, may come at a crisis point in their career where they need to seek help at an inpatient facility such as FHE Health. And I want to thank you for all the work that you're doing. It's it's fantastic, and that's a, a powerful story. It really is. And wow, what a fantastic journey that you've had yourself. But I can certainly see where it would have been born out of trauma and how that that led you into the work that you're doing. And what do you have a particular specialty? Uh, and where did you where did you go to school uh, to work on that specialty? Yeah, so I um, began uh, in the mental health field. I actually started off in a chemical dependency program at Seattle Central Community College. So I really started off with uh, my therapeutic lens was about addiction, drug addiction. Um, I then moved on to receive my master's degree in mental health counseling with Adams State University, um, where I was then able to uh, treat not just addiction, but also mental health disorders. Um, and then I received my doctorate in clinical sexology, which qualifies me to be a sex therapist in the state of Florida. And also, um, it's a specialized field that encompasses uh, sexual health and sexual issues. And it actually is uh, turns out to be very pertinent to first responders because in my work with them, they're, um, uh, I'm seeing a, a trend of a lot of sexual issues like sexual compulsivity or acting out of marriages and commitments um, uh, that are, um, you know, maybe... Uh, causing uh, relationship issues and personal issues in their lives. So that's been a, a really um, specialized uh, area for me to be able to help treat in the program. It's very interesting that you mentioned that because I, I've not overtly thought about the sexual side in first responders per se, but now that you mention it, looking back over my career, and, and for the listeners, if you're not familiar with my career, it was military eight years. I worked corrections. I was also a police officer and then an FBI agent for 21 years. And in that, and I, I just mentioned that to say that in that span of my career, particularly on the law enforcement side, there would be, to my untrained eye, be a pretty high prevalence of sexual issues. In, in sexual dysfunction, meaning uh, inappropriate behavior over the years. So it's funny that you mentioned that and the correlation between what you studied and how it applies to first responders. So very interesting. And that, that may be another, that whole issue may be another podcast for another day. But, um, well, very interesting work. And so you came, now how did you um, come to be associated with uh, Shatterproof and FHE? 
Well, um, I had previously been working in a drug addiction co-occurring mental health um, inpatient program for seven years. And I was really interested in FHE Health and their innovative um, techniques, uh, which includes the neuro rehab services Mm -hmm. and this first responder um, program. And this is, I think, how God works. But I, I met the previous program director of Shatterproof, and we connected on professional and personal levels. Um, and she knew about my work where I'd been learning about uh, trauma interventions. Uh, I was I'm trained in EMDR and also the, the sexuality piece. And... Um, she, you know, luckily just gave me a chance to work with first responders. Um, and I just uh, was so fascinated and also just impressed by how much, you know, first responders give to their, self, to, to their communities, their families, but how little they give to themselves. Yeah. And, um, I just really connected with a lot of the issues of, like I said, the, the PTSD issues, the, the desire to serve and give back to um, other people. Um, but how, again, when, when that's taken to an excess or extreme, then things like addiction and PTSD, anxiety, depression all happens when you don't do a lot of self-care, um, which is, I think, probably overall a foreign concept to first responders. Yeah, it it really is. I know that when I went into law enforcement, I was coming out of my military days, was very physically active, had a lot of different hobbies, a lot of different interests. And there's just something about going into uh, law enforcement, which was my area, but I know it applies to firefighters and corrections officers and dispatchers and and all of the other people that that work in that, that arena. You give all that up. Um, you become so absorbed in what you're doing in your work, and as you mentioned, you're so busy helping other people. And I, and by the way, I think that that's true of the counseling field as well. I'm sure you you feel the same way. That by the end of the day, you've given so much to other people. The one person that you don't give a whole lot to is is yourself, and that creates a lot of problems, doesn't it? Absolutely, I think um, you you hit it right on the nail on the head there that therapist to the mental health field extremely draining and uh last person sometimes on your list to to focus on is yourself and and that can result in a lot of compassion fatigue which i think a lot of first responders go through as well Mm -hmm. absolutely and uh, you're seeing that in shatterproof so for the listeners what is shatterproof uh kind of how did that come about So Shatterproof is a specialized program within FHE Health, which is uh, strictly for uh, first responders. Now, some other uh, facilities around the country may have a first responder track where they have some groups with first responders, but first responders are also among the general population um, treatment but at FAG Health, it's all a separate program. They have their separate living quarters. They have their, um, their own groups uh, and their own recovery activities, which for those who know about first responders, that's really key to fostering an environment of trust 
you know, because of what first responders deal with on a daily basis, you know, they see the worst of humanity on a daily basis sometimes that uh, trust becomes uh, difficult and being able to open up to others is also becomes uh, a struggle. So we, um, FHE Health, created a program that would allow for that trust to happen very quickly by being among others who um, they can talk about the, the shootings, the, the suicides of their partners or the, the children that were hurt or killed and that they had to help and try and save. Um, those type of stories and incidents are harder for, say, the general population to understand and not have a, a real shock value to. So just a very specialized um, program for that safe space of healing for first responders. Um, yeah, and on the flip side, it's not only a safe space for the first responder, but let's be honest, I've, I've been in sessions too where it, it was known, it became known to the group that I was a retired law enforcement officer and people didn't feel comfortable opening up themselves. Not not necessarily the shock value of the work that first responders do, but maybe they have something in their past, maybe something currently going on where it was not safe for them to reveal that in the group. So it goes, it's a two-way street. It's, it's safe for the first responder and oftentimes for the non-first responder as well. We want these sessions to be uh, safe spaces for everybody, a place where they feel that they can open up, right? I mean, so you would, you would agree it goes both ways. So there's, there's, there's a, a number of reasons why it's a good idea to have first responders in treatment themselves, have their own groups. I think that's a great point that um, as much as possible, if, if, if facilities in general can have that um, understanding, I think it helps everybody all different types of clients. Like you said, it's two-way street with that. Mm -hmm. um, um, now, how long has Shatterproof been around? Uh, I think it's going about six years now. Mm -hmm. uh, I've been the um, program director for a couple of years, and previously I was a therapist. So I think we're around, around six or seven years. Okay. And you, as you mentioned, you take uh, police, fire, EMT, correct? Um, yeah. Anybody else? Are, are you taking dispatchers and um, anybody from the medical field coming in? Uh, dispatchers, yes. Also corrections officers. Uh, medical field, uh, we do have to kind of have a specific criteria if they were, say, trauma nurses, um, trauma doctors. Um, but uh, that since my experience in, in the program that hasn't been a, a major focus in medical okay um so programmatically um kind of to walk if somebody were to come to fhe health and in the shatterproof what could they expect could you kind of walk us through the program sure so um we do a detox for uh, first responders who have addiction issues um, and, and that actually is um, a medical intervention. So that does start off with general population and first responders. But after their detox periods ends and they medically stabilize, they can then get into the clinical work of it. And the clinical work, um, we, we, we spend a lot of time with um, process groups that uh, 
with uh, instructors that either are former first responders or specialized therapists who understand the barriers of first responders being able to express their emotions and being in touch with that um, and just being able to be open and vulnerable to to their peers. Um, so we do spend a lot of time doing the um, that type of targeted processing that will then enable them to talk about traumatic experiences that ha they haven't been able to overcome or relationship issues or work issues. So it's um, that's probably the uh, most compelling and, and powerful part is is how the instructors develop a, uh, a group setting where they're um, able to express themselves in that way. Now, so is this, this is a traditional 28-day program? I would say so. It's on average about 30 days. Um, that's what we, we, we see as a nice minimum for, for a, a healing process. Okay. And, and afterward, do you, do you provide uh, intensive outpatient programs or uh, other OP or extended living programs as well? We do have um, different levels of care. So detox, residential, partial hospitalization. The PHP happens still on campus. Um, the intensive outpatient, we, we did have a more um, traditional IOP where, you know, we had people who lived off campus and commuted if they were local um, or it was an open campus where they could uh, do day treatment and then in the afternoon um, practice their recovery skills outside of the program. So since COVID, that hasn't, um, we've been a closed campus. So we have more of a modified intensive outpatient. Um, and we did previously have a sober living facilities, but that has since um, been uh, closed as well. So we work with other agencies that might be able to offer that structured living and that's all due to COVID as well that was um one of the contributors i think yeah yeah, so, yeah well very interesting let me let me go ahead and talk about our sponsor one more time and then we'll come back and address a couple of other issues here so again this episode is sponsored by fhe health a substance abuse and mental health treatment center specializing in treatment for first responders needs including ptse so according to samsa first responders are 30 percent more likely to develop behavioral health conditions like ptsd and fhe health specializes in getting first responders better and cleared for duty so find out more at fhehealth.com that's fhehealth.com and so uh obviously COVID, because since you mentioned COVID and how it's affected your programs, I think that's been recovery-wide. It, it's not just FHE Health. It's a, across the country. AA meetings aren't meeting. NA meetings have well, have not been meeting in, in person. That's starting to open up now, thank goodness. But that's made a dramatic impact on the, the recovery community and the number I've seen suicides uh, happening. They just seem to be much more prevalent than, than I've ever experienced in, in my lifetime. Um, during this last year, the pandemic, and then, of course, just the beating that law enforcement has been taking, have, have you seen an increase in demand uh, for your services? Yeah, I think um, actually uh, we kind of thought this would happen, but of course, like during the height of the COVID crisis, first responders were really busy just treating and, and helping their communities. Um, 
And then so I would say the first of the year, the first three to four months, it, we, we had a really um, high census, just very uh, lots of need for, for helping them because of that period of time where they were working so hard before eventually something has to kind of break to a crisis for many of them. So that we did see an increase um, earlier this year for sure. Yeah. Um, I would imagine that that, you know, has that leveled out? Do you think the num- numbers or is that remain the same? It does seem like it has leveled out, you know, and I hope that that means that first responders are getting the, the rest and support that they deserve. Um, but it's, it's hard to tell, you know, it, it's leveled off and I'm not sure if it's going to stay like that or if it's going to increase again. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a shame. And, and again, that's this recovery wide. It's been horrendous as far as, you know, people just relapse. I've seen more relapses this year, more people need to enter treatment and oftentimes depending on the state that you're in, not being able to get into treatment. So it's just been a very, very sad situation. Um, now, what are you seeing trend-wise, um, talking about sort of the, the beating that law enforcement has been taking from the community in the last year? Um, have you seen any upticks in any particular issues, or uh, what, are your, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, when I was first in the program, it, it, there was definitely lots of substance abuse. Um, that seemed like the, the prevalent issue. I would say most recently in the past year or two, it's been more mental health, PTSD, depression, and anxiety. Um, And, you know, part of me is hopeful thinking maybe that stigma against getting help for PTSD is getting better, that they're recognizing their symptoms and getting treated for it. Um, Or it could could be that the stress of the job and the lack of resources and support has just increased the demand for the the mental health side of it. That, like I had talked about, that compassion fatigue and, you know, just um, the the, the level of hypervigilance they may have when they're always used to being so much on guard and, and then finally it comes to a thing where they can't, turn it off, you know, even after being off duty, um, that seems to be uh, something that's that's been a real increase uh, in the past year or so is uh, the PTSD, uh, primary mental health issues. Mm-hmm. And my understanding is that FHE Health, you can enter the facility without a substance abuse issue, correct? You can come in with a predominantly mental health issue as well. Yes, that's correct. And that is unique because a lot of facilities have either or. And um, we actually have both in the same program um, so that a lot of the issues relate to substance connect to PTSD and vice versa. And uh, we can look more at um, core issues of you know, stress management, resiliency, and all those different type of things that would have helped both um, areas. Well, yeah, and I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. We talk about the causes and conditions, right? That the genetic predisposition leading towards addiction, but the cause that meaning things in our lives that cause us to want to pick up a drink or a drug 
And and then, of course, you ignite the, the rest of it, the physiological part of it. So if you can get out ahead of that, then all, all the better. And of course, if you already have a substance abuse issue, getting hold of the, the mental health part of it will help um, alleviate that and put that into remission. So that's, that's so vital. And training, I believe, um, kind of switching gears a little bit, getting it, you talked about the stigma uh, and you talked about the, the hope that that will get better across the law, law enforcement community. And I couldn't agree more. What are you doing, or I should say, what is FHE doing in that realm, getting out and training departments and agencies on mental health issues, on suicidality and on addiction issues? Um, do you do you do outreach to the community? Yeah, actually, um, what's happening uh, around the country is more and more departments are putting together peer support uh, systems and wellness um, groups, and that's been so great to see. And some departments that don't have that w- will come to us and asking for like, you know, how do we do that? You know, we've, we've heard about this. How do we develop this in our own departments and communities? So um, it's been really uh, amazing to see first responders besides their own job of their regular duties, they add on top of that wanting to be part of this peer support system because they're finding out, of course, that, the, their peers will more likely talk to them rather than go to their department heads for fear of um, any backlash for their job. And uh, that's been a really key way to, to help um, people get over the, the stigma of getting help when, when their own peers may have experienced their own symptoms and got help for it. Like that's been such a powerful way to um open the door for others who who are also struggling oh sure i i know that was the case of me there was no way i was going to go talk to somebody in the agency (laughs) there was just there was just no way because they they could tell me all day long oh yeah it's just it's not going to go anywhere there's the you know you you have confidential confidentiality and and all these things and that may be true but that's that's a hard sell to somebody that is struggling with let's just say an alcohol issue or prescription pill issue uh you can tell them that all day long they're not going to buy it that they are going to talk to somebody that is in their shoes and does the job that they do. It's just the way it is. And so it's glad, I'm glad to see that. Especially with law enforcement when, you know, you're, you're carrying guns and the departments of course have to be extra careful with the mental health stability of their officers. But yeah, there's that extra layer of um, precautions and, and, so it, it would make sense that an officer would be worried to go to their department and, and, and take away something, a valuable tool um, for them to do their jobs. Yeah. In fact, you likely won't have your job without that tool. So people are understandably very, very apprehensive. And right. that's fantastic. So, but I know that that's, that's a big piece of FHE, and that is the training that is provided to agencies out there. So, you know, again, if you're listening and you're in an agency that needs help and needs training, uh, please reach out to FHE Health and, and see what they, they can do for you. Um, any off the top of your head, and I know I'm, I'm putting you on the spot here, but any idea what kinds of uh, training 
are provided by FHE Health if, if an agency was interested? Well, for example, um, locally, we invited um, officers to come just to do a wellness day. So we did sort of uh, a mini um, treatment day where we talked about PTSD symptoms. We talked about what kind of uh, things departments and peers can do to help and um, also just really simple things like giving massages and and things like that some self-care and some pampering too Um, and and that was really great uh, to just um, actually have officers from this department experience um, the the necessity and the 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 impact that doing some type of treatment can do to help their their peers and that's that's one example that um, I thought was a really uh, great activity we got some good feedback with that I'll tell you another area that I find fascinating and I had never seen this before at any treatment center that I was at and when I came down to visit you guys a couple months ago, I took a tour of the facility and the neurobiology part and the the imagery, the imaging that you guys do is fascinating. I've never seen that before. Can you talk about that a little bit and, and the services that you guys provide? Yes, I'm so glad you um, are talking about that. That's probably one of the uh, the biggest draws for first responders because it's a very specialized modality that... Um, our director of neuroservices developed that works um, more quicker to heal the brain than other neuro uh, rehab uh, services. So what's in particular important for first responders is, is like, you know, first responders tend to be very black and white thinkers and uh, are more concrete thinkers meaning that they want to, they need to see things to believe it. And uh, what the neuro does is that they, they want, the, the minute they enter into our program, we do a neuro brain mapping. So it maps how they're, the areas of the brain and how it's functioning. And so right away, when they get those results, they can actually see their brain on PTSD. So it actually will highlight areas in your brain where your brain might be overstimulated, like the hypervigilance, the always being on guard. Um, It'll show racing thoughts and and difficulty sleeping. So it'll show all the overactive areas of the brain, but also show the underacting. So so signs of depression, um, lack of motivation, um, those kind of things. You can actually see color-coded on on the the map of your brain, which seems to really help right away first responders. Um, I think it helps take away the stigma of feeling like they think there's something wrong with them and it's something they did. But it's really the brain map shows it's just a result of the exposure to the chronic stress on the job that it's really impaired their their brain functioning. Yeah, I think that that's true. I. It's really, there's so much stigma associated with addiction in particular because in, in our world, you're trained to not give in to anything. There's, uh, you, you can defeat anything. You, you're strong. Uh, but you take the first step of AA. The first step is I'm powerless over alcohol. My life 
has become unmanageable. And that's just something that's very, very difficult for somebody in our profession to accept because, you know, what do you mean I don't have willpower? I can overcome anything. But right. by what you're talking about, by seeing it imaged, you realize this has nothing to do with your willpower. Your brain actually has changed as a result of the job that you're, you are doing. Exactly. And what's really um, fascinating and, and valuable is as the treatment of the neurostimulation sessions and the group therapies and different trauma interventions and medications, all that together, they get remapped at the end and they can see how much their brain has changed in just a short period from, from doing the treatment. And it actually, it's not something that you have to... Um, Continue, for example, getting neuro um, sessions when you leave the program. Once that the brain has been rebalanced in its functioning, it will remain unless you reintroduce those negative uh, behaviors that might, you know, would would get you back to uh, impaired brain functioning. You know, like say if you went back to drinking, you know then it, it, it might undo some of the stuff that neuro, but otherwise if you stay on the right track and, and continue implementing healthy coping skills, that's, um, you know, the goal is that, that, that remains that, that healthy brain functioning. Now, is this done through meetings and therapy or is it medically assisted as well? Um, the neurotherapy in, in particular. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there is all these contraptions, <laughs> but the, the uh, um, devices that do the neurostim, but you can also do the neurostim along with therapy sessions because while the neurostim is working, and actually for the remain the ninety minutes after a session, the brain is really neuroplastic. So things like um, traditional therapy, like talk therapy. It, it can be even more effective because the brain is able to soak in those um, clinical concepts and new ways of thinking a lot better than without doing the neuro rehab. Well, that is fascinating. I am telling you, I've never seen that done anywhere else. I am very fascinated by that. Yeah, I invite you to come back down. and uh, I'll have, have to get that done. Yeah, for sure. Man, I, I really like that. And you also mentioned EMDR, and that's eye movement um, desensitization and reprocessing. And that, to many of the listeners, that may be uh, a new term that they've heard. Uh, although it's been around for a, a while, um, I just know in the circles that I'm, I'm in, and when I talk to people about recovery, many people to this day still have not heard heard that term before. Can you walk us through that a little bit? What is EMDR? Sure, EMDR was uh, is an intervention started by uh, a psychologist, Francine Shapiro. And one day she was walking through the park and not feeling emotionally well. And she started looking up at the trees and moving her eyes back and forth. And suddenly she felt better. So that became a basis for um, further research in this EMDR intervention, which uses eye movement to basically help resolve um, traumatic memories or um, issues that have really gotten stuck in the brain. So um, it, it mimics actually 
the REM sleep that happens um, at night when someone's in deep sleep and, and processing um, throughout the night. So that REM process is mimicked in your waking state in EMDR where you actually target something to help resolve and do a similar um, left, um, right uh, movement of the eyes to help uh, basically unlodge those stuck memories um, from short-term memory, you know, basically feeling like that issue is happening in your present life when, say, it happened maybe 20 years ago, it moves it to the right place in the brain, which is more like long-term memory, so it doesn't affect you as much, um, if at all, um, without doing that intervention. Now, is this something that's done once, or do you do it over a period of time? It depends. It depends on the target, depends on the person. But what's really um, unique with FHE Health is the neurostimulation, one of the protocols they can do is an EMDR type protocol where it's basically EMDR on steroids where it just amplifies that effect of that healing process um, because of the neurostimulations doing the same thing that uh, a traditional eye movement therapy session would have. So things get resolved that much more um, quicker and more effectively. So you're, you're doing that in EMDR and then somebody that's coming through Shatterproof, they're attending the groups, they're, they're hearing from uh, former first responders themselves, um, many of whom are in recovery themselves. And I mean, that, that's a really good program. Now, what do you have as far as follow-up? Do you have alumni program or do you have follow-ups? What kind of contact would, if I went through FHE Shatterproof, uh, what kind of contact could I expect after I leave the program? Yeah, so we have a department, an alumni department um, devoted to keeping in touch and seeing how we can help support our alumni. Um, but what's really been uh, really neat to see happening is the communities that are built during um, treatment become so strong that several alumni of Shatterproof have self-initiated their own support group meetings across the country. So there's um, Shatterproof alumni meetings that um, have not, not anything that we're formally facilitating, but it's become such a uh, important tool of support that they first responders from our program have made their own um, different meetings uh, across the country. Oh, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. Well, I tell you, at this point, what would you want to tell the listeners, anybody that's out there right now, and if you're listening to this program, you are likely in recovery or uh, you may be struggling yourself or you may have a loved one that's struggling right now. Um, so, Dr. Sachi, what would you tell the listener right now um, about what they need to do or words of encouragement or just thoughts on things that could help them right now? Some parting thoughts for us. Well, first and foremost, you know, I understand um, how hard it may be to see and admit that you, you might need help. But, you know, I say sometimes rescuers need rescuing too. And it may take a 
some leap of faith and trust to enter yourself into either our program or some type of mental health addiction treatment. But I can, you know, I can say the uh, going, um, allowing yourself that gift of spending time with yourself to get mentally better um, not only helps you as a first responder, but it helps your family, it helps your department. So knowing what I know, first responders, they do things because they like to help others. Ultimately, it helps other people when they get better and they get stronger. It does, yeah. Yeah. We're, we're all better off, and, it, and it's better for the community. You know, one, one of the things that, you know, the, the healthier our first responders are, the better we all, we all are. And for those that, and if you've experienced this, if you are a first responder, you know this, but for everybody else, what you need to understand is these are people that face trauma every day, every day for 20 and sometimes 30 or more years straight. Mm -hmm. And we are not designed to do that. Nobody is designed to handle that much trauma over an extended period of time like that. And it is important that we take care of ourselves. And if you need to get help, you need to get help. And there's no shame in doing that. And and if you want more information on the programs that we're talking about, Dr. Sachi, if you could, um, any contact information or ways that the listeners can contact you that you'd like to put out there? Sure. You know, probably the best um, place to go is our website, fhehealth.com. You'll be able to find our program information. And um, if it's for yourself or somebody you know, uh, calling the, the main number um, that's listed and also available on a chat on the website would be a great place to start. Well, that's fantastic. Well, we really appreciate you joining us today. And look forward to talking with you again, because there, I think there's a number of topics that we, we could discuss that would be of importance to our listeners. So thank you for coming on the show. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Mike. And thank you again for what you're doing. Oh, no, I, I appreciate the work that you're doing. That, that is great work. Like I say, folks, I've been down there. Uh, I've spoken to the Shatterproof program, the patients that were there. Great group. These are, are people that uh, are doing the best that they can to serve the communities, and they deserve all the help that we can give them. So thank you for all the work that you're doing. And uh, again, this episode has been sponsored by FHE Health. And according to SAMHSA, uh, the, the SAMHSA first responders are 30% more likely to develop behavioral health conditions like PTSD. And FHE Health specializes in getting first responders better and cleared for duty. So, folks, with that, uh, I want to thank you for joining the program. And so, as I'd always like to say, uh, you know, I am only trying to help uh, give this information and to share it with you. So, because um, I know it will help you because it's helped me. And if I've said anything or if Dr. Sachi has said something doesn't apply to you or you don't agree with, then just discard it. But try to take any information that you can use for yourself or for anyone that you love that needs help, um, because that's what we do in recovery. We help others along the way while we're helping ourselves. And so with that, please visit our Facebook page, which is Recovery is Possible, and our website, VanMeterWellnessSolutions.com. Let me know how I'm doing, and let me know if there's any topic that you're interested in hearing about, because I'd love to hear from you. So guys, thank you so much. Take care, and we will see you next time.